And so one of the largest churches in Chicago wanted to find out where people were in their walk with God. And so they did a study called the Reveal Study, and there was a series of questions that they, they um, asked the congregation. They responded because they wanted to know, you know, people who are coming to faith in Christ, who's actually leading them there? Like, is it the new, new believers? Because they've got a big fishing pool of non-believing friends. Maybe they're the ones that are engaged in that. And, and so um, they wanted to know kind of how all that panned out. Here, here's the, the, the study in, in essence is this going stage is what we call the Christ-centered life. All right? The Christ-centered life means that Jesus has come to the, he's, he's everything to you, right? And so you, you want to share Jesus. You want to be Jesus. You want to, to live the life of Christ as he is transforming your heart and your life throughout the course of your lifetime. So what they did in the reveal was they discovered that these people who are sitting in this chair they're the ones who are leading people to Christ. They're the ones who are discipling people and helping them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. That the majority of the congregation was sitting in chair two. Now, this is a church of about 30,000 members sitting in chair two. And the longer they were stuck in chair two, the less likely they were to begin progressing because they didn't know what their next step was. What's my next step? So, our goal is going to be in the future here is to help people take their next step with God, which brings us to the ball diamond. We have a series of classes that help you in that. Class 101s on church membership, helping people discover church membership. We want you to connect. And so basically what we do in that class is we talk about things like, well, what is salvation? What is the gospel? Why do we do the Lord's Supper? Why, do, why is baptism important? What are we about as a church? What does God ask us to do? Um, how, what are our beliefs? So we want people to know what, what our beliefs are and, and a, a variety of other things just to help them say, hey, if you want to connect into our church, it, it gives you an informative decision. This is who we are as a church. This is where we're heading. Um, we may or may not be a good fit for you, but you, need to, you, you want to know before you say, hey, yeah, I want to, I want to step in. I want to engage with this church as, as God is calling us to the ministry for us. Class 201 is discovering spiritual maturity because we want to help you understand the four basic things you need in your life if you're going to grow as a follower of Christ, right? If you're not doing these four things, your growth is, is going to be stagnant at best. And when you're stagnant in your growth and your walk with the Lord, um, you know, everything just begins to stop. So when we talked about the vine and the branch, that branch um, becomes very weak in and of itself. And so when life caves in on you and when problems and difficulties and deep valleys hit your life, you, you collapse, right? You're filled with anxiety and worry and fear and all of those things that Jesus came to take away. He said, you don't have to live your life that way. You can. You can choose to do that, but you don't have to do that. So part of that class is equipping us with the things necessary to help us grow in relationship. Uh, with Christ. Class 301 is discovering my ministry. You know, we help you to undercover your shape. Your shape means that's your spiritual gifts. God's given you a spiritual gift, at least one at the moment of salvation, probably more than one, and many of the gifts are available. Uh, God's Spirit can use them, utilize the gifts in your life at any time that He needs to. 
Your spiritual gifts, your heart, which is your passion, it's what drives you, it's what motivates you, it's what causes you to get up and out of bed in the morning. Um, unless you're a teenager, I don't know anything that gets you motivated to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, a is for your abilities. God, you have God-given abilities that you were born with. P is personality. Your personality plays a role in a lot of things. You know, some of you are introverts, some of you are more extroverts. Um, so we look at the four personality types to help you to understand how God has wired you. E is for experiences. These can be educational experiences, painful experiences, um, mountaintop experiences. All of that makes up your unique shape because everything God's preparing for you out here, he's been preparing you all of your life for that opportunity. And so it helps if you reflect back and say, oh, so now I see, now I begin to understand I've done a lot of different timelines in my life, and all of a sudden, things begin to click. It's like, oh, now I see why this happened, and this took place, and why this transition happened as God is preparing you for the future. And we want you to hit a home run. So class 401 is discovering my life's mission in which we teach you how to share your faith, how to write your testimony, how to share the gospel, how to fish in your fishing pond, how to help people who are in the exploring stage take their next step. You got somebody that's got a hard heart? Well, here's some things you can do to help soften that heart. You got somebody who's, you know, a little further along? Here's some things you can do to help them become more and more receptive to, the, you know, you sharing your story, your testimony, the gospel. Um, it takes, on average, for a person to even consider to make a decision for Christ, seven touches and three hearings, on average, um, before a pe person even gets to that point where they're they're willing to even consider what it is you have them, uh, that you have to say to them. Well, why, do we, why are we emphasizing all this and why are we doing this? Because we are, we are an extension of the mission of Jesus, right? So Jesus, when he was here on earth, what was Jesus' life mission? Here's what he said, Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. John 18.37, This is why I was born and came into the world, to tell people the truth. John 10.10, I came to give life in its fullness. John 12.46, I have come as a light to shine in the dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer wander in the darkness. Remember, Jesus called us the light of the world. You know, we're, we're like a city on the hill. Let your light shine. I tell, I, Luke 4.43, I must tell the good news about Jesus's, about God's kingdom. This is what I was sent to do. So here he is, seek and save which is lost, tell people the truth, to offer people life, light in the midst of darkness, to tell people about God's kingdom. That is exactly what we've been called to do. The only question is, are we doing it? Are we actually doing it? So we were trying to build in our church a culture of disciple-making. A culture of disciple-making and evangelism. It's kind of two wings on the plane, and the plane is... Our whole reason for existence is to bring glory to God. I mean, that's what the scripture says. We, we were created by God to bring glory to God. And one of the ways we bring glory to God is to be on mission with God. So on your bulletin, a Christ-centered disciple, this is what one looks like. Now, I didn't come up on this with this on my own. There was a team of us that gathered together and said, what does it look like? What would it mean to be a Christ-centered disciple? And these are the seven things that would be characteristic of your life based on Scripture. So this is our end goal, is to help people take their next step as they are progressing, and as they get to this point, 
then they become disciple makers. Why, why would they do that? Because this is their heart, this is their passion, because this is what Jesus was all about, and they want to emulate Jesus' life and ministry here on earth. Now, my son-in-law and daughter, my daughter went to, uni- one of my daughters went to the University of Cincinnati, became heavily involved in Navigators, and Navigators is all about disciple-making. And um, so she met her husband there, and they got married, and they've still been very much engaged in making disciples, helping people take their next step, and learning and growing and getting moving deeper with God. And uh, so this, two Sundays ago, uh, my daughter was uh, commissioned by her church in a staff position of, um, she is now the women's disciple-making coordinator for that church. And uh, so this, this is their passion. Where did they get that passion? How did that get instilled in their hearts? Because somebody discipled them, right? Somebody discipled them. Most people who drop off in their relationship with God or they hit a, a roadblock and don't go any deeper and any further in that relationship is because they're not sure what next step to take and they have no one discipling them. One of the reasons why people in America, um, right now, the percentage of people who give their life to Jesus and are still walking with him a year later, the percentage is very, very low. Very low. But in other places where disciple making is like premium, like they, hey, we've got a new baby in Christ. Let's let's feed this child. Let's grow it up. Let's teach it how to walk. Let's teach it how to feed itself. And so it can go out and reproduce itself. The percentage of those who are still walking with Christ after 15, 20 years is like 95%. So this is our goal. Our desire is that we would help everybody who enters into our doors, answer the question, what is your next step in this walk with Jesus until Jesus calls you home? So the reason we celebrate the Lord's table today is because somebody did that for us, right? Somebody told you, here's your next step. Here's here's my story. Here's what could be your story. Here's how your life could dramatically change. So that was that way for me, it was probably that way for you. I don't know who led you to Christ. I don't know who told you about Jesus, but I can assure you that somebody did, whether it be a parent, a grandparent, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, whoever it was, they took the time and put forth the effort to build into your life in order to see you come to faith in Christ. So for me, it was a next door neighbor. You know, when I'm a teenager, they have a son my age. All he did was, you know what my next step was? My first next step, hey, will you play softball in our, our youth softball team? Okay. Again, I'm pure pagan. I've never been to church in my life. I've, I've, I've never read the Bible. The only time I heard Jesus' name was in a cuss word. I, I had no, no knowledge whatsoever. Okay, I'll play softball. And that was my first next step. And then there was a next step that came after that and another one that came after that. And so the process began. This isn't rocket science for us in that when, as Dennis talked about, when you're just asking, you know, what can I do for somebody? What can I do? You're helping them take their their next step. I have family members like you. Some are very far from God, hard-hearted, and some are, you know, a little closer to the Lord, and and some of them, you know, but these they're still not in relationship with Christ. 
I have some who, you know, are. So everybody in my extended family are at various stages. So I'm constantly asking myself the question, what's my next step with this person? Like I have a nephew who's so hard-hearted against God and, and has such a distaste for Christians. I'm the only, I'm the only Christian he tolerates, okay? But um, one of the things that I do for him, a couple things, is A, is I pray for him daily, and number two is I always look for opportunities to sow into his life just by doing good things for him, helping him, um, whatever it is, whenever God opens that door of opportunity, what's the process of that? The process of that is God just, over time, is, is beginning to soften his heart a little bit, okay? He's a little more open, a little more receptive, a little more willing to hear, you know, maybe what I'm would like to share with him. It's not like just come at him and say, you know what, uh, you're a sinner going to hell, and if you don't turn, you're going to burn, okay? That's not the, the message. That's not a good message, okay? It's just not. Uh, people are not going to respond in that way. What they do want to know is, do you love them, and do you really care about them? And if you do that, then obviously God gives us opportunity to, um, to open up further doors by helping them in their next step. So this is kind of the direction uh, we want to go, is that we, we have a community around us, and I just believe uh, that God is, is calling us to reach them. We are to be salt and light to them, and the only way they're going to enter into our doorways eventually is we got to meet them where they are. So this is why we do shine a light. We're just trying to build relationships. We're just trying to show our community, hey, we love you, we care about you, hey, here, have a hot dog, some chips, and popcorn, and hot chocolate on us, and here's some candy for your kids, and can we pray for you? Is there any way I could pray for you? Uh, it's, it's just as simple as that. So God had laid on my heart about us having a community Christmas Eve service rather than having it here, but having it at the high school, brand new high school, brand new auditorium. Uh, we put that out there to those who are in the high school. Um, I did have an advocate for us. Uh, through the Board of Education, but uh, anyways, they, we got the word back, you know, sorry, but it's holiday, nobody's there, we cut the heat back, everybody's gone, and so, you know, I said, Lord, you know, you can move mountains, surely you can, you can move this mountain, and started praying about that for a couple of days, and got a text uh, last Thursday or Friday morning from Jeff, Jeff Warner and says, hey, uh, I've taken care of that for you. You can have the community service. We'll get the heat on. We've got a custodian. He'll open the doors, and so it's a go. And for me, that's like, yes. That's our opportunity, right, just to reach out to our community and say, hey, we love you, we care about you, and we have, a, we have, we have good news. So as we come and celebrate the Lord's table together in our time as we're, we're concluding, um, it is a reminder to us Jesus said at one time, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And so, in Jesus' day and time, people were very familiar with shepherds. We're not so much, we're not in an agricultural shepherding kind of community right here. Uh, but shepherds, shepherds led their sheep. They didn't push their sheep. They didn't drive their sheep. They would lead their sheep. Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you. I want to I guide you. I want to I help direct your life. I am the good shepherd. And so the reason why Jesus could call himself a good shepherd because not all shepherds were good because sometimes kings were called shepherds and there were good kings and bad kings. 
The point is that Israel understood and learned the concept of substitution, which means that somebody is substituting themselves in your place. And so the Lord's Supper is a reminder to us that Jesus, who is our shepherd, became our substitute. And this is displayed all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, even in stories that maybe you, don't even, you didn't even think about before. For example, when Moses is leading Israel in the wilderness wanderings, and they get to a place where there's no water, and everybody's grumbling and groaning and complaining about the fact there's no water. And so they start saying, hey, did, did God just lead us out here to let us die? I know it's Moses' fault. So everybody starts turning on Moses, right? They're, they're planning to stone the guy, right? They're like, he's the problem. We just need to get rid of him and go back to Egypt where we had, you know, plenty of food and water and all, all that stuff. And so God bring, Moses brings this to God's attention, and, and God says, I want you to take your staff. Now, this is the staff that God used to bring about 10 plagues upon Egypt. He says, I want you to take your staff, and I want you to go down to this brook, and I want you to stand, and I want you to strike the rock. And watch this. God says, I will meet you on the rock. And so Moses did that. He struck the rock, and God poured forth the water. There's the principle of substitute. Remember what God said? I will meet you on the rock. You're going to strike me, and I'll pour forth the water. This is exactly what Jesus did. He was struck on our behalf with the wrath of God, poured out upon him while dying on a cross, so that you and I could be set free from the wrath of God. You never have to worry about God's punishment, his wrath. Jesus absorbed all of that for the entire world. And Jesus says, this is what I've done. I've substituted myself in your place. I died the death you should have died, but I took your place. I lived the life you couldn't live. I lived that for a reason so that I could offer myself as the substitute of the world for the sins of humanity. And so every time we partake in the Lord's Supper, it is a reminder to us that Jesus, God himself, took on human flesh in order to live that life of sinlessness so that he could be the substitute for humanity. And while on that cross, he shed his blood, every single drop of it, because life is in, human life is in the blood. And so that blood being shed was a symbolic of God offering forgiveness for our sin. So God forgave you to remove the guilt, to remove the shame, to remove the fear, to say to you, my kingdom is not about those things. That's the culture of the world. The culture of my kingdom is love and grace and forgiveness. It's not that God doesn't care about what we do. That's not it at all. It's not like a blank check that says, oh, just receive Jesus and just live however you want. No, God just simply says, my, the culture of my kingdom is that I want to relate with you based upon love. Love gives freedom of choice. Love removes the shame. Love removes the guilt. And even in our freedom of choice, if we continue if we sin and we make bad decisions god doesn't come hammering upon us with punishment and guilt and shame and heaping it on us and said i told you so you should have done it better you should have done it different no he responds in love he says just bring your sins to jesus just to confess them, acknowledge them and god as your father i'll be faithful i i, I will forgive your sins because I am faithful and righteous. 
because of the shed blood of Jesus on your behalf. So church, as we, um, as we think about our future and we think about where God wants us to go, this is the message that we have. It's not bad news, it's good news. The bad news is the wage of sin is death. But the good news is the free gift of God comes through Christ. The wages of sin, the payment of sin, is always death. But the gift of God is eternal life in His Son, Jesus Christ. This supper displays eternal life. When you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, God wipes away the sin, wipes the slate clean, brand new beginning. That's what God did for me. That's what He has done for you. So we celebrate that. And as a reminder, we are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. Everything that I've experienced in my Christian walk, I want others to experience the same thing. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the goodness, the self-control, all of the fruits of the Spirit that come through a Christ-centered life. I desire that for you. I pray you desire it for yourself. So if you're here with us as a guest, um, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we invite you to celebrate with us in the Lord's table today. How we do this is um, if you're able, you'll come to the front and take the elements, and uh, you can stay here or go back to your pew and, and celebrate that together with friends or by yourself or however you'd like to do that. Um, those of you have difficulty coming forward um, because of physical reasons, just remain seated. Terry's in the back. He will serve you um, during this time. So we're going to pray. And um, if you're here this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord of your life, I would love to talk to you about that. So please, 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 after this service is over, um, I'll remain here at the front and, and would like to answer any questions you may have and share share that with you. Father, we, we thank you for the display of grace through the elements of the Lord's table. We thank you for the bread that represents the body of Christ, the body that was broken for us so that we might break the sin nature that is within us through relationship with him. We thank you for the fruit of the vine that represents his blood, the blood that was shed for us. You said that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That it's the blood of Jesus that purifies us from all sin. So we thank you, O oh God, that you have taken our sin and you've cast it as far as the east is from the west. You've placed it in the sea of forgetfulness so that when you look upon us, you don't see our sin, you just see Jesus. So we, we thank you that you have enabled us to become what we could not become on our own. And as we celebrate as a church family, we are so thankful and grateful, God, for what you have done in our lives, for what you're doing presently, and for what you're preparing for us in the future. I thank you for each person who is here. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just now settle upon us as we celebrate around the Lord's table and as we just express our love and our worship back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So stand if you can and um, make your way here to the front.
just ask you this time, if you just stand with us now that we've taken the Lord's Supper, let's just spend time just worshiping as we close our service this morning.
We're going to sing one more song this morning before we go. As Pastor Greg was talking about seeing God do great things again in our church, experiencing breakthrough. And I love this song called Do It Again. You know, God moved mountains. There's so many times in the Bible where you see God's goodness, God's mercy, God's grace, and God did great things. And I believe God's going to do great things in our church again. Amen, church. And so let's just sing this song this morning as we just proclaim that, as we just speak that out, as we just worship this morning.
being here this morning and worshiping with us as we just celebrate what God's going to do in our church. Just go with his blessing this morning. Thank you, everybody.